1: If you find value in this podcast, please consider making a small donation to keep us going. Because of the nature of our podcast, we rely on the generosity of our listeners to keep this podcast alive. And by contributing to Cannabis Health Radio, you're helping to ensure its longevity and success. And to those who have helped us out, both Corey and I are extremely grateful for your support. Now, today's program. How would you feel as a parent? If your 20-month-old son was diagnosed with leukemia, of course, you'd be devastated. That was the unfortunate circumstance faced by our guests today, who are going to tell us the story of their son, George, and what he went through and what they went through in dealing with his illness. And joining us from New Zealand are Nikki and Gav. They don't want their last name used, which is something we respect from those who request it. Guys, thanks for doing this. You're the very first people we've interviewed from New Zealand. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having us. And you have a great story. Before we get into little George's story, tell us how he's doing today.
2: Uh, he's doing amazing. He's absolutely thriving. Um, he actually had his first, um, as I called it before, um, school check. And they just checked like cognitive stuff. And, yeah, he did really, really well. There was no concerns and he's loving candy, having friends. <laughs> yeah, he's about to turn yeah.
3: five. About yeah. to turn five and start school in July. Yeah. So, oh great! Yeah, so yeah. he's a he's a happy, healthy wow. yeah. little boy uh, with flowing long hair that he won't let us cut off. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's thriving. And
1: uh, oh, he's a defiant teenager already. He, hell yeah. he <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh,
3: he's, he's been through the wars of poor kid, and um, yeah, no, he's uh, he's great.
1: Now, take us back to the time uh, when George was diagnosed with leukemia. What was his health like at the time?
2: Uh, his health initially, he was a well child. So I think he might have got, we went to Canada once and he got sick then when he was about 14 months. But he just was well in himself all the time. Very, very happy kid. And then about a month before being diagnosed, he just got a cold. And couldn't kind of shift it, and then he did. Oh, he wasn't
3: able to walk. Yeah, um, on his yeah one one, one morning. morning, he didn't want to walk, and then Nikki took him to the GP, and of course he started running around. So, and then we were progressively getting into more and more COVID restrictions, so we were unable to get in front of any GPs because yeah, he's he, he stops eating as much. He started losing a little bit of weight his um, tummy
2: distended out kind of from up top of his chest mm-hmm. um he had like a fishy breath smell which i was like trying to figure out where it was coming from
3: this swelling in his, his stomach was actually the the tumor lysis it was um,
2: the cancer yeah. and
3: and so we could we unable to and the the message from the gps was well if he doesn't have a temperature then there's nothing we can do because they're all phone consults and then yeah it was leading yeah so
2: I think we I think we went to the doctors initially for a month once a week for something and we saw a different doctor each time we didn't see our never ever saw our doctor which was hard Um, Mm. and so yeah so then he didn't it was the day before the the very first lockdown in New Zealand and again he did not want to walk on his legs And we're like, this is like, something's going on here. Um, I just knew something wasn't quite right. And
3: Yeah, you were due to see the GP the following day. And this was on the eve of the big lockdown in New Zealand in in late March 2020. So the entire country was going into lockdown for an entire month. Um, And our family friend, uh, he's one of the top surgeons in New Zealand, and he got wind that George was not well. Uh, and we had actually we were going to spend the lockdown at my parents' house, and then we had a, um, a video call uh, with our family friend, and he he just said, right, um, you know, he assessed him and um, he said now that it was actually in the back of his mind that um, uh, leukemia could have been a possibility, but he advised us, right, go to the GP, demand a COVID test because no one really knew if this was possibly COVID, I guess, but also demand to be triaged and seen a, a seen by the peds and in, in the hospital and um that's yeah basically what we did and then George and I spent the entire day in there and, and they initially thought it could have been fluid in his joints um uh from a virus that was it was uh, causing him to uh have discomfort walking and then yeah it was it was later that night after some blood tests that they realized what was going on and That was it. That's when, um, yeah, yeah,
2: diagnosis life changed
3: forever for us and and for George. So, yeah, yeah, we were due to fly down to Christchurch and commence treatment straight away. And we had a five-month-old, sorry, five-week-old at the time as well. And and because of COVID restrictions, Nikki couldn't come down with us. And so it was George and I that flew down to Christchurch and started this insane journey.
1: I want to ask you a question. When you got the diagnosis that he had leukemia, it must have shaken the two of you to the core. What was that like for you as a family?
2: Well, it was absolutely <sighs> devastating, actually. Mm. Um, Certainly
3: not how you planned things, right? Yeah. No. It's, it
2: was definitely a big shock because we didn't – I just thought initially, oh, yeah, could it could have just been an infection, and I never, ever thought about cancer. Yeah. I always kind of heard about leukaemia, but I never – you know, until you're in it, you don't really know about it. And – um as soon as they mentioned leukaemia and I was just like, oh, my goodness.
3: Like, well, this my naivety, gonna... I didn't even, Yeah, we had a family friend when we were growing up who had leukaemia, but no one else had been close to me in my life. And I didn't actually even realize it was a blood cancer. So it was only until they told us that it was actually a cancer that um, that's when things really dawned on us and well, mm. dawned on me anyway. I was like, oh, man.
1: Well, tell us, uh, Nikki, about George's treatment, what he underwent and how he reacted to it.
2: Yeah, underwent a protocol for leukemia and the T cells. He had like the worst one out of this particular leukemia. So he had way more chemotherapy than the, the average child would get. So, yeah, it was just terrible from the get go. <laughs> you know, the induction period is just absolutely horrendous and because he had tumor lysis he also had a lot of other issues going on like his blood pressure he had his kidneys were, uh, were starting to fail um, due to the tumor lysis because they were the size bigger than adults they said when we got diagnosed and so his blood pressure was just absolutely you know really really high for his age and so you know all of that was really hard to manage you know he had constant and it was just absolutely constant throughout like a whole stay there. He was really complicated really yeah it was yeah it was just awful it was awful just really heavy chemo heavy chemo for about eight months straight so he received chemo pretty much most days and then or oh, it would be like every second day or something like that every week he had he had chemo IV chemo
3: but he also um, and actually leading up he had um, croup and he was given um, a steroid. So that was before diagnosis, and once a diagnosis came, the, the doctors were unsure if that uh, one shot of steroid was going to uh, make him
2: compromise his, um, their treatment plan because they used dex- dexamethasone um, in their treatment plan. So he was automatically put into an intermediate category, um, even though if he came back as a low-risk, um,
3: yeah, they put him into the he would the go straight medium. into the
2: intermediate category. So um, I
3: meant more chemo, and yeah, it was it was
1: terrible. Yeah. At any time throughout this, did the doctors tell you that he had only a short time to live?
2: No, nothing they ever did. They said the chance of survival was around about ninety-two percent.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. So
2: it's quite high. Um, yeah. Niche, um, we're, we were so that- confident
3: you know that things were going to be okay and I mean it's just a flood of emotions and and, um, and uncertainty because you're thrust into this world that you've you have no idea about until you're in it um, yeah. and uh, but yeah I it was uh, the, the doctors were good in assuring us that you know we're in good hands obviously and, and uh, they have a good success rate so um, uh, there's definitely kids in the the cancer ward who had uh, uh, had less of a chance um, straight off the bat than than mm-hmm. George did.
1: It's hard to believe that a 20 month old child would have uh, cancer this bad. And in the notes that you you sent us, you said that George was essentially starving to death because of all his vomiting.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that started about a month. So we had an induction period which all children go through and it's heavily steroid-based, so that's a big... And
3: chemotherapy-based, also.
2: Yeah, um, but as an antiemetic. And so um, as soon as that kind of stopped, then the next phase came. Um, he straight away stopped eating. Uh, fortunately, he had a nasal gastrotrip anyway with all the medication he was receiving. And, yeah, yep, and so then his vomiting... Oh, so then he had to be given a f- liquid feed, which they prescribe from the hospital, And so we started giving him that because he'd stopped eating. And then probably about four days after we started it, he started his, like, vomiting. And we kind of put it down to, like, maybe the chemotherapy kind of thing that we did wonder about the feed initially at the start. We went through many different types of formulas because, like, we tried all of the formulas that they had on offer, to help him and see if it would, like, keep it down. He was very volume sensitive, so we could only put in, like, about, oh, I don't know. It was, Certain, like was it 20 or
3: 30 mils an hour? Yeah, it? he was the...
2: r- really, really small for 24 hours. And, I mean, I didn't agree with the whole feeding him for 24 hours because, you know, when you sleep, you should have rest and digest um, period. Um, but they were like, no, 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 you just got to keep giving it to him, keep giving it to him. So we were de- dealing with... Um, like severe nausea vomiting um, for yeah 24 hours a day for five months straight.
3: Because we tried, as Nikki was saying, we tried all the different brands that were on offer, because um, it's prescribed through the system. And we went right up to the soy-based hypoallergenic feed and that was $140 a tin. It was using pretty much a tin a day. We are fortunate here in New Zealand that we are we are covered uh, by the healthcare system. But um, it was, yeah, we, we knew something was just not right. We
2: thought it was a feed quite a few months into it, um, as well as the chemo. But that's when we, about two months into his treatment, you know, like they just, they were giving, you know, they're just giving us lots of antiemetics and either he was allergic to them or just, yeah, obviously didn't respond to it. It was like giving him water and they just said, keep giving it to him, keep giving it to him. And I was sitting there going, oh. I'm not going to keep giving it to him if it's like if he's throwing it up, like he's not taking anything in, like this is not right. So then that's when I started researching more. Obviously, fell into the cannabis world, and I just thought, oh, maybe okay, let's let's look at this. And we broached the subject with the doctors, but um, yeah, they're not (laughs) always agreeable with that. And yeah, yeah, they were
3: very they were very against it. Just it's just not part of their protocols one bit. Um, but as Nicky was saying, George just didn't, he just simply didn't respond to any of the anti-nausea drugs. So it just, it just did not work on him. But essentially he was also being food poisoned at the same time as having to deal with all this chemo. So his, uh, yeah, he was, he was vomiting up to 23 hours a day. Um, and that was going on for quite a while. And, um, yeah, so we, we, uh, initially, um,
2: we started off with CBD oil. Um, so was, we
3: approached our GP, our family GP, and and uh, said, because uh, they, they passed a law in, in April 2020 in New Zealand where you could legally um, have uh, CBD oil prescribed um, by your GP. And um, so, yeah, we tried, tried that avenue first. Um, he had never prescribed cannabis, um, let alone any CBD oil to a two-year-old. So um, he, he did his research and. and didn't feel confident. Yeah, enough. didn't feel confident and, and um, said no. And then we, we got and I've got some friends who are, who are pharmacists and they, they advised getting in touch with a GP in Auckland who's part of a cannabis clinic. Um, and uh, so we tried uh, getting in touch with him and, and getting something locked in. And bear in mind, our country's still in, in lockdown. So the whole place is, yeah, it was. It was a strange time and uh and then we saw a tv piece um where there was a wee girl um whose father had um had essentially stood up to the system as well and um and had uh yes yeah, said uh, that they're going to be using cannabis oil and the gp that um uh had the cannabis clinic he was actually on that tv piece so i quickly rang his clinic and because for Nikki and I were like, great. And now we we're, we're actually we're confident somebody's going to prescribe to a two year old because uh, we just came to a complete roadblock. And um, yeah, so we got in touch with him, and then we uh, we started started George on CBD oil. And at that stage, George could barely walk. He was it was just a shell of him for himself and um
2: yeah he had huge eye anxiety yeah, really um, bad had, like,
3: shakes and tremors yeah
2: neuropathic pain in his feet um yeah he was not in a good way at yeah. all when he was completely walking and every, running around when he was before he was diagnosed so he was absolutely crippled by the chemotherapy
3: and he had just and you know he was slowly he was becoming emaciated because he was just he just couldn't keep any food down um and so yeah we started him on the mm. cbd oil and within two days
2: day three, yeah day, day, day three
3: up. day three his tremors just massively subsided um his anxiety was fine like he could be around my mother which he couldn't be you know he was really really uh, strange around, or, her. around yeah. her before that which was um which was just completely not not oh. reflective of their former relationship um and he got up and started Running, running around, and then climb some stairs, unassisted. yeah, yeah. climb some stairs for the first time in his life. So we've just we've got it all on video. It's just it's it was amazing. So we knew that well mm-hmm. like, this is the real deal. We're onto something here. Um,
2: but as to do with like you know the induced chemotherapy, nausea and vomiting, it just didn't even touch the sides. <laughs> like yeah. it wasn't helping at all. So we kind of knew that maybe, two weeks into giving him CBD and we broached the subject with one of the oncologists up in Wellington who um, you know was very open-minded and she did agree with us that you know we just said maybe we're going to have to look at THC because we've heard that THC does help with the nausea vomiting and she said yeah but she said there's nothing I can do. Is, oh, my hands are tied. I can't tell you where to get it from. You know, you kind of have to do everything yourself kind of thing. So we were just like frantically thinking, okay, well, how do we get, you know, because we couldn't even get it from the doctor up in Auckland. We couldn't even get the THC component prescribed to him because he, um, because under the, uh, the medical act at that time, these doctors weren't allowed to prescribe THC because they weren't a specialist. But our oncologists are specialists, but they weren't allowed to, Prescribe it either, so we're really stuck in such a tricky, sur- you know, mm. circle really a bit with that. Um, and so we ended up talking to the dad um, of the from the documentary, and he mentioned a medical herbalist up in Auckland. And so we ended up contacting her, and that's how we were able to give you know safe medicine to George through her. Um, and so we started giving that probably about six weeks after we started cbd and we were able to definitely control it to a certain amount his nausea vomiting but still at that stage he was being technically poisoned by the feed we were giving him so it was really quite hard to kind of get on top of his nausea vomiting um and but then so obviously when we stopped that we were able to stop the feed and that's when it, you know we were
3: yeah. Um, I I and mean, to that's, control
2: his no- chemo, nausea vomiting um, yeah. so much easier.
3: Because that's that's a huge part of it that yeah, essentially he has been food poisoned on top of being poisoned by the chemo. So yeah, we uh, it, it came to a point where we just said, No, we're gonna be making our own fresh food. So lots of um sort of plant based smoothies and, and um and soups and uh, it was a good sort of five hour process every day of of making it fresh and blending it and sieving it and putting it in 20 mil syringes and then uh, giving it to him every half an hour but that was just you know he he was a different kid after we started started yeah, that and definitely as well. The doctors and
2: were quite against it us doing that this way maybe due to calories maybe um they didn't want us to put it down the nasal yeah, gesture against, against the protocols yeah. as
3: well giving giving your own food to them down their their nasal gastric tubes so yeah um, so they were
2: just very against it but we just stood our ground and just said no we this is how we're going to look after our son is by diet and by giving him cannabis to try and control that nausea vomiting Um,
3: because we were we were completely complicit in in trying everything for George that was being prescribed and you know it got to the point where he he was on his deathbed he was starving to death
2: well, that's what I was gonna ask you folks. I mean, you were given this ninety-two percent chance of him surviving, but did you at ever at any point ever think that you might lose him? Uh, it was definitely little bits and pieces, yeah. Um, especially when he was going down um the path of just like just being so so ill in that first five months and before we really stepped in.
3: I think upon reflection, it's just we don't realise actually how close he was to to dying. Yeah. yeah. Um, But in that time of that first five months, I mean, he just, he was one of those kids that um, you you name it in terms of the worst case scenario just happened to, uh, you know, George suffered like he his porticath system in his chest, he had to go under and have that replaced twice due to staph infection. Three
2: times, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. so he
3: he was on to his third one. Yeah, his his blood sugar and because his diet was and he was you know, essentially being food poisoned his blood sugar levels were screwed so we're having to finger prick him constantly all day and yeah he he just went through went through the absolute ringer and so I guess it was to that point because we were leading up to that that point as well we were sneaking him a bit of blended baby food and he was keeping that down and then so Nikki and I like Far out, you know. This this really showed us that the the feed was was um you know the main catalyst for his nausea vomiting, and um and yeah when we uh, when we told the the doctors uh, one of them said all right you've got a you've got a week to prove us wrong you can start feeding him yourself and we're like well you're on mate so and at that time we'd been medivac back down to Christchurch when he was um when he was yeah him to death and, and, um, and then he went on the TPN to try and sort of level him out but um, yeah it was uh, we had a month in hospital with him trying to assess what was going on and still just not wanting to um, not wanting to admit that it was the feed that was causing the main nausea vomiting um, and like they were trying to blame the cannabis on yeah. his nausea vomiting um, so just completely misguided, and and so.
2: And they wanted to try um, another drug, an um, antipsychotic drug called elazapine So that was their next suggestion, and I said, "You give me the information. I'm going to look this up and see all the side effects. And the side effects are just terrible, absolutely terrible." And then we found out that a little a ten year old boy at that time had uh, over in Australia had died from it, and I don't think he even used it for for the anti you know an, um, antipsychotic parts i think it was for something else and he died and we was like there was just no way we're going to give him that medication yeah the doctors were quite against the cannabis but we were just like no this is medicine this is actually helping our son like this is it kind of keep him alive and if we can just eliminate the food that they were get like giving us we can then try and handle the chemo nausea vomiting a lot more yeah
1: how long was he on chemo
2: two and a half years
1: Two and a half years on chemo wow
2: that's protocol and it actually got reduced about halfway through our treatment because it was originally for boys three and a half years and then they some more trials came out and um they cut it down to two and a half years thank goodness um
1: how did uh, how did young George react to you giving him thc
3: well he was we because he was vomiting so often and we are giving it uh, through a tincture we had to really try and stay ahead of I suppose the food poisoning um, and but in order to sort of absorb the drops and uh, it always took an hour and a half for anything to sort of set in with George um, but you know he was it would take him it would take him sometimes five hours to get a vomit up so that leading up in that five hours he was just wailing and
2: screaming. screaming
3: just sitting on the couch in our arms um holding
2: buckets yeah, <laughs> always hol- holding, holding buckets like, holding
3: buckets yeah. and um it you know, was yeah. just his quality of life was absolute rubbish so when we first started giving him thc he uh and it actually sort of set in um he uh yeah he he would get up and and run around and all of a he sudden was there was uh, we were looking at um uh, our boy again
2: yeah, so so a little step up of George, and it just kind of gave us a bit more hope that what we were doing was right. Yeah, um, but and- then we
3: would have to start the feed again because uh, we were trying to get calories into him, and this was before we um, yeah. this was uh, before we started giving him our own food, and then then instantly the or uh, within half an hour the the nausea would start kicking in, and then he would be back on the couch, sort of screaming, and you know would have to wait another up to five hours for him to finally get a, a vomit up and then same sort of thing you know the the drops would have finally been able to kick in and then he was up and running around feeling great but then we'd have to start the feed again to try and get calories we're just in this horrible because we just you know we, we were I guess we were following the system at the time and trying uh, to do
2: what was right through the medical
3: yeah what we've been guided we just weren't it. we just weren't being listened to in terms of what what uh, we thought was wrong and you know, we just knew that uh, the chemotherapy had obviously altered his gut, be it a, pr- uh, a protein, a binder, um, a preservative, whatever was in there, because now he couldn't even stomach his old baby formula that we used to give him pre-diagnosis. So something had really changed in him, and um, it, it just made him violently sick.
1: How long was he on this feed before he stopped and you five were giving him? Yeah. Five, five yeah. months. Yeah, five months. Uh, and so he was taking the chemotherapy, but he was on the food that you provided him and also on THC. And you saw, saw him get progressively better.
2: He was getting that, better. Yeah, a- so he was getting better. Um, we were able to control that food poisoning to a certain extent. However, once we eliminated and put him onto our own blended food, his nausea, vomiting went down about 85%. And we were then able to really control that nausea, vomiting, if we gave him. We had to give him his oils every three hours for 24 hours a day for two years straight.
3: So, yeah, it was once, yeah, yeah, as Nikki was saying, we were really able to control that um, chemo-induced nausea, vomiting really, really well, um, to the point where he wouldn't, he just didn't even really suffer sometimes at all.
2: Or we would just be waiting for it to kind of kick in. We'd give him the drops in the morning, like 6 a.m. You can kind of see he's, like, struggling and not talking to us, not engaging on the couch and turning his head. And we're like, just keep them down, keep them down, buddy. They're going to kick in. And then an hour and a half later, boom, you know, there's another video of him. He's up running around, happy, chatting to us, like, telling us stories. And, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes he would even put something up to his mouth. I even got to that stage. Um not very often he never really put food much up to his mouth but sometimes we would yeah, see a snippet of food go into his mouth um but he was just so much more happier right yeah. like we were he was
3: and for us i mean i suppose we were we were still worried in terms of um well, we're given our two-year-old son um cannabis oil oh you know because the doctors were saying there's this is going to be terrible for him and his and his brain uh, development. And uh, meanwhile, you're giving him, you know, chemotherapy and, and some other horrible stuff. But the um, yeah, we were we were really worried, right? Because yeah, I guess we're just ingrained to sort of believe uh, believe what the professionals are saying. And it's not like I mean, I guess just cannabis is not part of their education. So, um, yeah. but uh, and they'll say Look, there's no there's no long term studies. There's no research. And then once we started researching and find found that um, you know Raphael Michelon had been doing years of studies with chemotherapy and kids and and uh, amazing results and and that definitely gave us the confidence that um, this is not a lethal drug that's going to kill your kid like you've. we've all been told pretty much growing up and uh, And it's bad
2: for the brain and it's like we've just been told an absolute lie. It's not bad for your brain. I mean, what's worse, having a child suffer on a couch, not, you know, cognitive development, just like not wanting to engage, only looking at a screen. Um, I mean, that's not quality of life or learning. Like he was able to be, you know, he's able to run around and be kind of like a normal kid on canvas oil.
1: Yeah. yeah. And he still he still takes it today. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're all about the maintenance. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. We, ne- we never yeah. ever want him to ever experience that again. Um, yeah. I mean, it's traumatizing for, for him. Sometimes it kind of comes out. But um, yeah, we just don't ever want him to go through that again. It was horrific. Uh,
3: it sounds horrific. It sounds completely soul destroying. I can't even imagine
0: you guys going through this. And- well, yeah. yeah.
3: Looking looking back, and I guess people say, "I don't know how how you guys did it." And looking back, neither do neither do we. We just, I guess, you're just trying to uh, yeah take everything a day at a time, and and um, you know it took us a, a while to nail down what strains work for George, and um, and of course some of the strains that traditionally probably don't agree with people at a certain time of the night really agreed with him so you know even even with cannabis oil he bucked the trend of of what uh, what was good for him so um yeah it's just been an absolute paradigm shift for us in our life and and now realizing just the the, the amazing benefits of of cannabis oil and and listen to your podcast and you scratch the surface and find out where all this research and um, and, uh, and stories of success, success lay, and it's just heartbreaking that this is just not front and center of our healthcare system.
1: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. We, we both agree. It's an interesting story that this young fellow at 20 months old was diagnosed with leukemia and two and a half years of chemotherapy and, uh, Cannabis thrown in there, that he's thriving today, and I suspect that uh, you wouldn't have George around if you went down the conventional route, would you?
2: We definitely would not have at all. No, no, yeah, we would have lost in 2020.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you guys uh, consume cannabis yourself?
2: Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> <So> we <do>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, why? Like, yeah. no. It's okay. It's okay. We all do. Yeah, that, yeah. So you're fine. Well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, we've,
3: we've been recreational users in the past and I mean, I, I didn't use it for many, many years. And, and it was once, um, George was, uh, we got George on the oils and then, um, and I was reading about all the benefits and, and obviously guided by, by our herbalist and, and, um, you know, she was a big advocate of uh, us as parents trying everything first before we give it to George. So, um, and it was great for helping with sleeping, but, um, for me personally, uh, I do a lot of running, and then I was finding the after my runs, I just wasn't feeling as, as stiff and sore as I was. And um, and then she's like, "Yeah, mate, that's that's just the, the endocannabinoid endocannabinoid system, and and your uh, the inflammation been taken care of by the cannabis oil." And then I I've got um, some dermatitis, and I and I um, have some food allergies, and I found that these just massively subsided as well. And our herbalist is like, you know, well, I don't need to tell you what it is, mate. So, um, yeah, and that just really, uh, I suppose, um, you know, reaffirmed what we're what we're doing, and and um, and it's it just made it easier to talk about something that uh, that works. And uh, for years, I'd used steroid creams, and and I'd gone down the holistic route and Chinese medicine, and and that really helped to a point. But um, yeah, it was it was certainly. Now, personally, not only seeing the benefits with George, but um, when you start seeing the benefits in your own life as well, and when you when you nail down what sort of strain strain works for you, and uh, get your dose right night, and um, yeah, it was just it's been
1: amazing. It sounds like you got your hands full with your kids. <laughs>
2: I was just going to say, what would you say to parents who have kids with cancer, or, or their child's
0: just been diagnosed? What would, what kind of advice would you give them?
2: I think you need to definitely advocate for these small little people um, because they can't always tell you, like, their side effects and and so forth or not. I think just do your own research if you can, and if things are not going quite right, I mean, just look outside the pharmaceutical world. Look holistically. Look at diet. You know, I, I believe that all kids should have CBD oil prescribed to them with chemotherapy with the protocol I mean they're always going to give chemotherapy aren't they so if we can just include CBD and um, in supporting these children or adults or so you know we, we saw a lot of a lot of kids just emasquerated in bed and George was the only one up running around the hallways and so I have a feeling that if we could just get CBD oil for the, or every child prescribed in this instance um, it would help you know um their quality of life going through like a terrible treatment that they have to go through Um, allowing them to sleep allowing them to eat allowing them to be at least try and be happy through this
1: guys you have a wonderful story to tell and we're happy you contacted us and uh, we really appreciate you doing this we want to thank you and uh, one day we will have a chat with george about uh his situation. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: definitely. Well, thanks yeah. so much. We really, yeah.
3: you know, we really appreciate you having us. And, and also we wanted to do this to uh, get the, get the message out there and, and um, reassure other parents are now, well, in the same position that, you know, this is, this is a, a, a real medicine to.
2: It's not lethal. Yeah. You know It's.
3: It will not kill your kid. You know, this yeah. is, it's going to, it's going to help them and, and being guided professionally, uh, and and um, it's it's just been a, a wonderful thing that's come into, a, come into our lives
1: at what was such a terrible time. Yeah, thanks for this. It was great to talk to you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, folks. Really, really appreciate it and believe you me, this story will make a huge difference to a lot yeah, of people.
1: Well, before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast write a interview, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already, and we really like the five-star ratings. <laughs> We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That ha- helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. For listening to today's show, to check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
1: Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride, both in and out of the cannabis space, that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.